Turn to your neighbor, tell them, you look like family. <laughs> Just needed to buy a couple seconds. But as we were mentioning earlier, we are in this series where we're going to be looking at some very important topics. And the reason why is we are living in a day and age where we're almost reminded on a very regular basis that the most important things in our life are some of the most important things that we take for granted. Like, think about it. Think about what we've been experiencing in our life in this day and age, in seasons of COVID, in seasons of the pandemic, in seasons of uncertainty, anxiety, depression, unrest, in seasons that we're living in today, where in an instant things could change. And whenever those moments happen, we always look for the people that matters most. And we make those commitments, right? We say, like, man, I'm gonna appreciate my family, I'm gonna love my spouse, I'm gonna hug my kids. I'm not going to speak in that kind of tone. I'm going to be present to the moment. I'm going to have the heart of Christ, right? We start making all of these commitments before God saying, thank you for that reminder of how important the most important things are. But here's the reality. When those moments kind of go away and you don't see it, or we don't see it on our social media, we don't see it in the news, and we go back to life as normal, we forget about the things that matters most, and we go back to how things were prior we take a lot of things for granted. You know, this whole thing about family and marriage and all of this, it's not just things that we've made up in society that we just do because it's words that we see in a dictionary. It's things that we see in society. These very things are foundational to society because it was part of God's creation. He created marriage. He created family. He created relationships. And the opportunity for us to be able to experience and share and exemplify those very things on this side of eternity is a very important thing for all of us. That's why it matters most. Because when we experience life-giving, life-transforming, awesome marriages, relationships, families, it helps us to understand God's love for us, God's love for the world, and God's love for people. I know what many of us are already thinking. We're going to talk about it tonight. We hear those kinds of things and we wonder, well, how come my life is the way that it is? How come my family is the way that it is? How come my experiences are the way that they are? We can kind of like run through these kinds of like thoughts in our mind and we say like, nah, maybe for them, but not for me. Maybe family and relationships and love is good for them, but not for me. Remember, these are things that God created. We're going to look at God's word tonight. We are made in his image. He wants us to experience this kind of love and grace on this side of eternity through the people that matter most. We just need to remember to put those things at the forefront every single day. Because again, in an instant, things can change. So I leave this thought with all of us before we open with the word of God in prayer. I know that we're kind of in a service at Sunday night where there's a lot of young people. So I know a lot of us here may not be married right now. We might not have kids right now. We might not be even thinking about those things right now because we're just wondering how we're going to make it to school this week because of traffic and pass my next exam. Right? I know that's where some of us are. But here's the beauty of a foundational series like this is it gives us perspective on how we can find healing and wholeness despite the things that we experienced growing up. For those of us that are married today, it gives us a reminder of the covenant that we made before our spouse on our wedding day. And maybe for some of us here that are just even wrestling and wondering why things are the way that they are for you, we can find hope in the word of God. We can find hope in what he says he wants to give us, provide us, and bless us with. 
So no matter where we are on that whole spectrum or gamut of relationships and marriage, just know that God wants to touch every single one of us in such unique and profound ways where we leave this place tonight knowing that God deeply loves us and he has created us in his image for the gift of relationships. Amen. Can we do this? Can we pray together? Lord, we open up your word tonight. We open up this moment knowing that we live in a time and age where we see on a constant basis how precious life is. Yet even in the instant of knowing that we should shift and change the way that we do things so that we can appreciate and be present for the things that matter most, we in an instant go back to how things were too busy, too hurried, too here, too there for the ones that you've called us to do life and experience life with the most. Lord, may that change in our hearts tonight. May the anchoring view, the biblical truth of what you've called into existence in love and marriage and relationships go so deep in every single one of us that we begin to make choices to see the relationships that we have today differently. The way that God would, the way that Jesus would, the way that we're intended ourselves to see it. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, just even a specific prayer before we open the word, that if anyone here is wrestling with hope, is there hope for me in this area? Is there hope for me in, in, in these, these things that the word or the, the Bible is talking about? Lord, I just pray that you would assure them right now with a yes and amen that this word is for them too. May we all leave here, Lord Jesus, with such a sense of hope because relationships, although flawed in many ways, are the perfect way for your grace and forgiveness to be experienced here on earth. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Number one in your notes goes like this. God's purpose for families is to exemplify his love. Everyone say love. His love and goodness. Say goodness to the world. Again, number one, God's purpose for families is to exemplify his love and goodness to the world. We're going to be reading a lot out of Genesis tonight. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And for those of you that may not know, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Or Genesis 1 is specifically talks about God's creation. Talks about how he created the world that we live in today. The sky, the land, the animals, the everything, and the in-between. God created what we see every single day. This beautiful earth, this beautiful world that, we've call, that we call home. That he intended us to oversee. To experience relationship in. He created it. And we're going to be looking out specifically from Genesis 1, 27 to 28 to 31. And we're going to see in this passage the beginning of relationships here on earth with the first person ever created, Adam, and the first spouse that was ever created, Eve. And this is important because when God created the world, he didn't leave the world empty. He didn't leave the world with just the sky and just the ground and just the animals. He made a choice to create humanity to create every single one of us. And the reason why he did that was this beautiful world that he created was so that the creation, the humanity that he created could enjoy this perfect world with him. Because God himself values relationships and love so deeply that he couldn't just create something perfect and leave it just to himself. He desired to create us so that he could enjoy it with us. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, if you think about it, the God of this world and universe created us so that we could experience what he created with us in relationship because he values relationship. And even before the beginning of time, right, like there's God, his son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So even God in who he is is relationship. Even before this world existed, he was relationship, perfect relationship. 
That's why we desire perfect relationships, yeah? That's why that's such, it's an important thing to us to be fully seen, fully known, fully loved. God intended us to be able to experience it here on earth. And in Genesis 1, 27 to 28, again, we see God creating Adam and Eve. This passage is like a poem. That's the kind of the account of how Genesis was written, or Genesis 1 at least. So let it speak to us. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is a key passage or verse, verse 31. God saw all that he made and it was very good. Everyone say very good. He saw all that he made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. What I find interesting about this passage is it doesn't say God created rules and regulations for Adam and Eve to withhold, or not to withhold, but to uphold. He didn't create tasks for them to do. The first thing that this, the word says is he created them and he blessed them. Everyone say blessed. He blessed them. God is an amazing father who wants to bless us with amazing things on this side of eternity. And our relationship with him is supposed to be able to demonstrate that good love everywhere that we go. So when he created Adam, he even knew that just Adam alone wouldn't be good enough. He decided to create Eve. He gave Adam a wife because he knew that even Adam couldn't experience the fullness of God's goodness alone. He needed a spouse. He needed Eve. Adam needed to be, ex be able to experience not just God's love for him, but able to give that love, share that love, and demonstrate that love with somebody else. So he created Eve, and he blessed them. Yes, he called them to rule over the world. We actually have a very important call by God to take care of the world that we're living in. That's another message. But for this one, he created this world so that we could experience his goodness with him and with others. This was also the first picture of the first family, the first marriage in the Bible, Adam and Eve, in perfect relationship with God the Father and with one another. Just think about it. Just for this moment, this instance in time, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were living in the presence of God and the goodness of God. You know like how all of us were singing earlier, like, man, I love that song, Goodness of God. Like, I can listen to that all day, 24-7, just bring it, right? And then something in our soul is like, that song is good. That song awakes my soul. That song resonates with me. I want what that song has so that when we sing it, it's not just us singing words. For some of us, things are coming alive in here because we're talking about the goodness of God in relationship with one another here together. This right here is a glimpse of what heaven is supposed to be like. Men and women coming together in our flaws and brokenness in this world that we live in, coming before God and still declaring his goodness. That's why it's so good. That's why it goes beyond the song. Because when we connect with God here on earth, it gives us a glimpse of Eden back then when he created the world perfectly and he created Adam and Eve without blemish and sin. And they got to experience the goodness of God in ways that we could only desire. We will see that time again in heaven. We'll get there later on in this message and later in this series. But just 
Picture that right now. Just right where you are. Imagine your life with perfect relationships. A perfect marriage, perfect relationship with your kids, with your friends, with your neighbors, with people. Imagine a world where we don't see brokenness, pain, sin, and death, and mourning, and suffering. Where we don't have to turn on our news and go on social media and want to give up on that day five minutes into it. What if we lived like that? What if we had that? What if our relationships that God created us for exemplified that? What kind of world could we be living in today? What kind of household could we be living in today? What kind of relationships could we be living in today if we just took it upon ourselves to live out the God creation calling in us to exemplify God's goodness and love to this world? I hope we all desire that. Because the crazy thing is we can actually experience that through relationship with Jesus. And another reason why that's powerful, Genesis 2, 25 Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. They were naked, and they felt no shame. You know, a lot of times we read this passage, and we're like, oh, they were undressed, they were unclothed, and we think about it in a very physical sense. They didn't have any clothes on, and they were unashamed, and that's cool. But this passage in Genesis 2 is actually touching on something a little bit more important to us as humans, to us in our soul. They weren't just naked and unashamed in what they were wearing. They were naked and unashamed, meaning they were present fully before one another and God. And they were fully seen and fully known and fully loved. And they didn't see anything wrong with God or anything wrong with each other. And there was no wrong in that space. This is what God created. A place where Adam and Eve could be unashamed and naked. Not just, again, in the physical, but in the spiritual, in the emotional and be unashamed because, man, like, all I know is love. All I know is goodness. All I know is the presence of this almighty God. Like, imagine that every single day. Living life with no fear, worries, or doubts. That you'll be judged or condemned or criticized or mocked or outcasted or deemed unlovable. They didn't have that. Because everything that God creates is good. That means everything that he's created in us is good. Or just us in general. We're good. We are made in the image of God. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them this. God looks good on you. <laughs> God looks good on us. And kind of taking this a little bit deeper, family, that whole naked and unashamed thing is just kind of a state of being where you're, we're supposed to feel the most safest, we're supposed to feel the most loved, we're supposed to feel the most accepted, and we're supposed to experience God in the most profound, deep, meaningful, and personal ways and I'm going to say this knowing that this is going to kind of be a shocker for many of us. And this was a shocker for me when it was first presented to me. But all of these things that are good, the most profound place and consistent place that we're supposed to experience it is in our own homes, in our own families. Because that's what God created family for. 
if I can tell you my story, this is one of the truths in the Bible that I wrestled with the most. Okay? Like, God created all things good. In fact, very good, apparently. He made man and woman in his image, and they were brought together to be in perfect relationship with him and one another. And somehow we're supposed to just kind of leave it at that, like, man, so it's how it's supposed to be. And I know many of us actually come from great homes. And if you have great relationships with your parents and siblings, praise God. But we live in a world where we know that that's not the majority. <laughs> I can just speak from my own personal experience that this whole idea of like a whole household, not just in the physical, but in the emotional, in the spiritual, I didn't grow up in that. Many of us here, we didn't grow up in that. Many of us here, and many times myself included, we experience the consequences of not living in a perfect home. Oh, there is no such thing as a perfect home, but at least a home that is built on the word of God. And we grow up as young kids into our adolescence, into our high school, our college, our young adult years, just trying to find something that makes sense. Trying to find some kind of like reconciliation, like, man, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? And if I were to be very honest with you, a lot of times I wanted to blame God or I have blamed God about the circumstances and situations that I grew up with that I wasn't okay about, that I wasn't happy with. I know I'm not the only one, right? We kind of grow up kind of like shaking our fists at God and angry with this God that makes all things good. But my life is anything but. Can I go there tonight? And that becomes one of the reasons we turn our back from God or we walk away from God or we give up on our faith or we give up on people. Yeah, those are the two most important relationships that God has given us on earth. Relationship with him and relationship with people. So why? Why after God created and everything was good, so quickly things turned differently? Number two in your notes. Satan's goal is to destroy every good thing God has created, including family, through sin. I'll read that again. God created everything good, created everything perfect. He created everything so that we could experience his love and perfection with him and with one another. But many times we blame God when we forget that there's a very real enemy out there named Satan that is committed to destroying everything good that God has made and created. So instead of us waging war on the whys and the hows with God, what we really should be doing is waging war against an enemy named Satan who is out there to take us out, including our family, including our relationships, including our marriages. And this isn't in any way supposed to condemn us. This is also not in any way supposed to make us be upset with our mothers and fathers. You know that that was one of the most beautiful stories of redemption that I've experienced in my life and I'm still experiencing is me learning to love my parents the way that God has loved me. Learning to forgive people closest to me that have hurt me in ways that God would to me. Everything that we do here on earth brings us closer to Jesus if we see Jesus' plans and purpose as the outcome and his word as our foundation and meaning for going. To continuing on, and I just want to encourage every single one of us. Yeah, we're going to talk about the bad news now, but the good news is also present for us too. Spoiler alert, his name is Jesus, and we'll get to there in point three. 
But point two, Satan's goal is to destroy every good thing God has created, including family, through sin. Genesis 2, 16 to 17. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Apple tree, mango tree, banana tree, whatever tree you want to eat, you are free to eat it in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Jeez, like that's straight up real from God, right? And we can kind of look at this passage. I even remember me being like this really smart high schooler. Like if God is so loving, why would he set them up? Why would he put a tree in the Garden of Eden that they weren't supposed to eat from and tell them, don't do it? Why would God set them up? Like, I even think about, like, my daughter, our daughter, Chantal and I's daughter. Her name is Bella, almost two years old. You tell her not to do something, she will do it, and she will look at you the whole time smiling while she's doing it. Like clockwork. Don't grab my keys. You know, like, just, like, in my face. She loves grabbing my wallet, getting my credit card, debit card. Like, this is just her thing. And then she likes walking around with this. I'm like, who did she get that from? You know, like, anyway. She got it from me, you know. Not Chantel. But this is kind of how we live, right? I'm just joking. This is how we live with God. God's like, hey, just consider not doing this. And we hear that and we're like, oh, got it. I'm supposed to do it. We can kind of look at this passage that same way, like, man, did God just set up, like, Adam and Eve to fail? But no, like, the truth is this tree of knowledge and evil was actually an example of God's love. And let me tell you about this a little bit. The reason why it's an example of his love was it was an opportunity for them to have their own free will. That they could either choose to obey God or choose not to. And you know, that is probably the most, like, humbling but also maybe one of the most like loving things that God could do. He didn't just program Adam and Eve to love him and to obey him. He actually gives them a choice. And that is one of the most profound things about love that is probably another message down the line in this series. But the most important thing that we need to know is that we have a choice to love God or not. And this whole tree becomes kind of a place where their love was tested. Because again, there is a very real enemy that wants to test our love for God and turn us away from him. Genesis 3, 1 to 7. It's kind of a longer passage. I'm going to encourage us because this is a key one for all of us tonight. To stay close, stay locked in, and let this word come alive. Let this passage come alive as I read this. So now, so again, this is Adam and Eve. God just told them, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And here's a crazy thing. Like, they only knew good. Right? Like they only knew what was good. And they didn't even know what the word evil meant. Just let that kind of sit with all of us tonight. Because the root of all evil is sin and disobedience from God because of temptation from the enemy. Not God himself. Okay? Got a little bit ahead of myself. Genesis 3, 1 to 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent then said, and again, this is Satan, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, or that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the, the, the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. There's kind of a comparison to the passage we read earlier in Genesis 2. So here's how they responded to this shame that they were now feeling. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. How many of us, when we commit a sin, right? Maybe we were angry. Maybe we were greedy. Maybe we spoke to someone harshly. How many of us actually run to the person in relationship? How many of us are immediately like, man, I need to make this right, right now. Like, I need to make sure that love is affirmed and forgiveness is affirmed and relationship is affirmed because my parents matter, my siblings matter, my friends matter, my spouse matters, my marriage matters, these people matter. How many of us would actually run to relationships when those opportunities arise? Many of us don't. I'm speaking for myself. Many times, especially in marriage, when I mess up, that's me, capital M, capital E, me. When I mess up, you know what I do is I avoid conversations. I avoid relationship. I avoid my wife. I avoid my sin. I avoid my brokenness. I avoid my issues. And I cover myself up. Oh, everything's okay. Everything's good. Everything's all right. That was just five minutes worth of a bad moment or a bad attitude or a bad this. Everything's going to be okay. Yet I'm covered with my own bit or my inability to actually make everything okay. Like, isn't that like crazy? That we want everything to be okay, but the one thing that would make it okay by pursuing relationship, love, and forgiveness is the one thing that we avoid. You know what Satan's most horrible lie is that we're better off alone. It is the most opposite of God lie that many of us actually wrestle with. That we're better off alone. That we're better off not in relationships. That we're better off not experiencing or giving love. That we're better off just kind of in our own space, hidden, not being fully seen, not being fully heard, not being fully known, with no ability of being fully loved. Like, ah, oh, that's Satan's lie. Not only did he deceive Adam and Eve to disobey God, when they realized that they disobeyed, they felt so much shame and guilt that they not only tried to hide Physic or hide their bodies in shame and guilt, again, opposite from how they were unashamed in Genesis 2. They tried to run from God. And going back to Genesis 1, why did God create Adam and Eve? So that they could fully experience his goodness and love. So first, in moments where we fall into sin, because guess what? We will. We're fallen by nature. We will mess up here on earth. 
We will mess up in the most meaningful relationships. We will say things we wish we didn't say. We will do things we wish we didn't do. We will experience things that we wish we didn't experience. But just take note that every time the enemy would say, hey, go away and go hide in isolation because of the mess ups that you made. Know that there is a very real God, loving Father, amazing man of peace up in heaven that is going to want to pursue you in relationship so that we can experience his love no matter what we may do here on earth. Because we were made in his image and he created us and what he created is good. So even though we are sinful and fallen, when he looks at us, he sees goodness of his creation. So when the enemy would say, go away, God is actually saying, come back. And if we pursued relationships, the relationships that matter most, when we personally make those faults and mistakes, what ends up happening is it gets us a little bit closer to restoration. It gets us a little bit closer to reconciliation. It gets us a little bit closer to forgiveness and love. Like, that's just what it does. When we deny the lies of the enemy and we deny the lies that he's trying to feed us and we pursue the truth of God that we were created in his image, we were created and he sees us as good and he wants us to experience his goodness and love and we're supposed to experience that with people, part of our healing is actually going to people that we've messed up with. And oftentimes in our families, we solve the problem with closing the door. We solve the problem with going on a drive. We solve the problem with ignoring the people that we live with. We solve the problem in ways that God wouldn't want us to solve them. And then we shake our fists at God. God, why is this happening in these areas? And our loving Father is just simply in his goodness and kindness saying, because you're not doing it the way that I've designed you to. And we can actually choose these ways of bringing restoration, forgiveness, and healing, and love in our relationships when we choose to not just go about it the ways that we would, because that obviously leads to sin, but if we would live in such a way and carry ourselves in such a way as Jesus would. Everyone say Jesus. Just as Jesus would. Part, or number three in your notes as we bring things to a close tonight. Families that exemplify God's love, forgiveness, and grace become a powerful example. Everyone say powerful. A powerful example of who he is to the world. It's interesting because, again, as we looked at in Genesis 1 earlier, everything God created was good. He created us, and we were made in his image, which is good. We were called to experience perfect relationship with him and one another in marriage and relationships, which is also really good. And then the fall happens because of sin and disobedience towards God. And from the very, very beginning of time, God already had an answer for the one thing that we, he knew we needed in order to have the relationships that he wants us to have here in this fallen world. There was an answer and I'm going to read uh, Genesis 3, 8 to 13, as well as 21, and we're going to tie things up tonight. Here was the answer that God had prepared for the forgiveness and grace that we would need. So then, the man and his wife, this is Adam and Eve, 
heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And then the serpent, dece the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God, this is verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Let's sit there a little bit. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They broke relationship with him. They gave into the deceit and the lies of the enemy. They felt ashamed. And they ran. And they tried to hide from God. And just picture this moment a little bit. So they're hiding in the garden that God created. And he is God, so he knows all and sees all. Yet as we read in Genesis... God is walking in his garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that like an interesting detail? So I just imagine Adam and Eve hiding in their sin and shame. And God's just like, doo -doo, looking for Adam, looking for Eve, where could they be? You know, in the cool of the day. And he finds them and he knows what they did. But he still has the patience and grace to ask questions. What happened? How are you feeling? Why do you feel that way? You know, Adam tries to blame his wife, thinking maybe that Eve would get in trouble. And then what does God do with her? He has another conversation. Doesn't condemn him. Doesn't condemn her. He just talks to them. He opened the door of the house. He went after his family that left in the car. He didn't respond in anger. He didn't respond to condemn or judge. He just asked wonderful questions that a great loving father would. And even when they were trying to blame one another, he was unfazed. He was unfazed because he knew what the outcome was going to be. He was going to clothe them. He made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And that's kind of a strange passage. Okay, so he clothed them. They were already clothed in fig leaves. What's the big point of that? This is actually the first moment in the Bible, in Genesis 3, where Jesus already comes into the picture. Genesis 3, there was Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and then Genesis 3, and then we already begin to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And here's the connection. Adam and Eve, in their shame, in their guilt, feeling unlovable and isolated, giving in to the temptation and the lies of the enemy, wanted to get away from God. And then God decides to pursue them and find them and love them and welcome them back into relationship. He was already beginning to restore what the enemy tried to take away. And then he one-ups that because he knew that the only way that sins could be forgiven was a sacrifice. So even though we don't hear about the sacrifice, the only way that animal skins could go upon Adam and Eve was if God gave a sacrifice. That shed, uh, blood had to be shed for the sacrifice to be made, for their sins to be covered, for them to be reconciled in his love and his grace and forgiveness. God went all the way for them because they were his creation and he loved them just like how he loves every single one of us. And then the rest of the Bible happens. And in the Gospels, we see this become Jesus. That God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And how was that done? It was the shedding of his blood. It was the covering of our sins by his grace. It was God pursuing us when we wanted nothing to do with him. He still found a way and made a way for every single one of us here to experience his love and his goodness and grace. Why? Because he loves what he creates. And what he creates is worth living for, but it's also worth dying for, which is why he sent his son Jesus for every single one of us. You know, as a father, I've always, you know, or before I became a father, I always thought the greatest sacrifice is giving up your life. No. After becoming a father, the greatest sacrifice that I wish I would never have to do is giving up the life of my child. Jesus was God's child, unblemished, sinless, perfect, good. And because God saw us on earth hiding, he said, son, I'm going to send you to save them and bring them back into relationship with me. You're gonna have to die the death that they deserve. You're gonna have to shed your blood just the same way that the blood was shed for Adam and Eve so that they could be covered by my grace and love. But son, I love them and I love you. And you're gonna come back. They're gonna come back. It's gonna be worth it. And what did Jesus do? He went and he came and he lived and he died and he overcame, and the rest is history. First Peter 4 to 8, last passage tonight. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Can we do this? Can we close our eyes? I'm going to read this passage one more time. And I'm going to read some reflections that I got from this passage before tonight's message. 1 Peter 4-8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So just like God with Adam and Eve, we must pursue those in our family in love 
even when they hide from us. Just like God with Adam and Eve, we must have conversations that address the heart, not just the sin. Just like God with Adam and Eve, we must love the person even when they are struggling with taking ownership of what they've done and they cast blame on us or someone else. Just like God with Adam and Eve, we must cover those we love in forgiveness and grace because God poured out his love, forgiveness and grace on us. And finally, just like God with Adam and Eve, if we can do that, it brings us back to being with God all over again. It reminds us of how he loved us and how he wanted relationship with us and us to have relationship with others just like he intended and created us for back in Genesis 1. You can look up here. Can we give God some praise?